of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Yeah, Hour number two. T.C. Martin show coming your way on a manic Monday or a Monday afternoon quarterback edition. Ballpark Frank in the house. Spencer the Wiz on the other side making it happen. And don't forget... Brought to you by the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, William Hill Sportsbooks, Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burger, amongst others. And don't forget to get the William Hill mobile app. It is real easy to do. If you don't have the William Hill app yet, get it on your phone. Uh, great in-game wagering, great options galore. doesn't matter the sport. And also, you get signed up uh, for a new account. They'll match you with a $50 bonus. That's right. got to use the promo code TC50. So download it on your phone, a new account. When you go to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill sports books around town, deposit at least $50 in your account, get another $50 in, boom. Use the promo code TC50, and you will be ready to roll. And do you want to lay it tonight with the Pittsburgh Steelers laying 14 against the Cincinnati Bengals? Matthew Holt will join us a little bit later on in this hour. We'll talk to him and see where the money is at in this game, see where the money is at, where the money was at, on the college football side and the NFL side this past weekend. All right, I want to thank Trevor Maddich for joining us, taking some time out of his busy schedule at ESPN, college football analyst and, and just great friend in general who joins us just about every week here. And, uh, Frank, I want to get back to some of this stuff as we diagnose the college football playoff. Alabama number one, Clemson number two, as expected, and then it was number three, number four, I think we all expected it to be Notre Dame, Ohio State, just did not exactly know which order. Notre Dame had the huge win against Clemson earlier on, but because Notre Dame lost 34-10 to on Saturday to Clemson, Clemson got the revenge, it slid Notre Dame down quite a bit because they really were never in this game. But then again, Ohio State struggled themselves with a 22-10 to victory over Northwestern, like we talked about before. Uh, we uh, closed last se- the the last hour there. Ohio State has not really put together sixty solid minutes of football yet, but I really believe that you could have made the argument that Notre Dame gets in at three and Ohio State four because Notre Dame has more quality wins uh, against you know top twenty five opponents. They had the Clemson victory, obviously, which is huge, and then North Carolina as well too, and Ohio State. Really, the only win that they can hang their head on is, is Indiana, and I'm still not even buying that uh, as being a quality win uh, as well. But the committee really did not want to see Clemson-Notre Dame. I think that would have been a hard sell since they already played you know two times within the last five weeks. I think that's where it went. But again, this is all part of the convolutedness, if that is a, a word, but I'm going to use it anyway, but, you know, of the gray area on how we're selecting these teams and what slots we're putting them, you know, here. Trevor made the point that we always talk about as well, too. Well, 
You don't want to have this uh, you know, great semifinal and then leave the final being maybe non-competitive where you have a point spread in double digits. And like he said, we've seen a lot of these semifinals be non-competitive. For the better part of the last four or five years, it's been Alabama and Clemson. And I think, you know, we could have fast forwarded to that, you know, months you know, ago and say this is who we're going to see. And more than likely, this is who we're going to see. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And, and not only the fact that uh, I agree with you that I don't think they wanted Notre Dame and Clemson playing again. And they figured, well, if they do play a third time, it'll be for the championship. So we'll see if that plays out that way. I don't think anybody's expecting that or very few people are anyhow. I think most people are expecting Alabama to be one of the champions, uh, team, one of the teams in the championship game. Then probably most people are thinking it's going to be Clemson and Alabama. We'll see what happens when that plays out. But I also think it does come into play, and, it, and again, the committee is going to say that this had no factor in it, but you do have Dabble Sweeney, who's been talking bad about Ohio State basically all year long and saying that they don't belong there. And they did play each other in a barn burner of a game last year. So why wouldn't you want to have that rematch again here? See what happens in that game. Put those two teams on the field. Uh, is Notre Dame good enough? Well, if Notre Dame wasn't there, it would have been A&M. So then you probably would have had A&M and Alabama playing uh, for the game in that other semifinal. So, which, I, which we've already seen. Exactly. That's in what a 28-point yeah, blowout yeah, so, by Alabama. So you yeah. would have again seen yeah. another thing. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe if A&M would have maybe, maybe they would have been third and maybe Ohio State would have been the fourth or something. I don't know. But, but although they're saying that they're going to rank them in the order that they are, I do think that they look at some of that other stuff. Like you said, uh, first off, not only would we be seeing Clemson and Notre Dame for the third time this year, we would have been seeing it right after Clemson dominated Notre Dame in the last game. They didn't just win that game. They dominated that game. I know it was 24 points when all was said and done. It seemed worse than that when you were watching it. Right, right. And back to the thing about Cincinnati, I heard Joey Galloway, you know, your former Buckeye buddy there, just really banging the drum for Cincinnati here. And I just don't know if it's the proximity there, Ohio State, Cincinnati, or what it is, but just really saying that he thinks that Cincinnati would uh, not only – deserves to be in there but if they don't deserve to be in there that he thinks that they're they're much better than these other teams and again when you talk to other coaches they said you you look at Cincinnati you do the eye test they don't have the athleticism they don't have the bodies and again they're in a conference that plays no defense whatsoever so just because they have a, a strong defense sometimes that gets uh, you know over you know that'll overshadow everything else here but I really watched that Cincinnati game closely the other night. They beat Tulsa 27-24 in a game Tulsa very easily could have won. This game was nip and tuck. It was tied on three different occasions. And when we look at Cincinnati, all right, they struggled to beat Tulsa. They won by three. The game before that, they beat UCF 36-33. to Again, very tough game. And their next uh, toughest game they had was Army. They beat Army 24-10. to Now, they had some blowout wins against Houston and SMU and that sort of thing. But if, if these are your three you know, best wins here, no, you're, I don't care if you got an O next, uh, in your record there. If you're 9-0, and o, you, you don't deserve. Now, I'm not saying Cincinnati the top four, but I'm saying I believe where Cincinnati is at number eight is deserved. I will take Texas A&M at five. And definitely will take Oklahoma. You know how I feel about the Sooners at number six because no one has been playing better football aside from Alabama than the Oklahoma Sooners, and they're number six. Looking forward to that game. 
Number five against number six, A&M and Oklahoma will face off uh, uh, against each other. And then you, you've got you got Florida, you got Cincinnati, you got Georgia, and you got Iowa State. And to the point here, Georgia, who's ranked behind Cincinnati, they're going to play each other. Georgia is a seven and a half point favorite. So anybody that's thinking that Cincinnati is as good as those teams in front, that they would actually beat those teams, mistaken. There's no way. All you have to do is look at the last game that they played on their home field in a game they were favored by 14. They were life and death to win that game against Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, I won't say there's no way that they would win them, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason that they would be a dog in the games and against any of those teams out there. And that's one of the big differences in college as opposed to the pros, you know? Mm-hmm. In college, you have to be undefeated or almost perfect to get into that the, the football playoffs, to be one of those final four teams that's left standing at the end. You know, uh, as ridiculous as it would sound at the beginning of the year, LSU is actually playing pretty good right now. They, they beat Florida. They just beat a, a pretty good team in this last game. You Ole know, in yeah. Mississippi, a team that had a really good season going on. So, but losses early or losses again. Why isn't A&M in? Yeah, they only lost one game, but they got blown out in that one game. Notre Dame lost, but they lost to a team that most people probably think Clemson is good, but most people don't think they're as good as Alabama. Well, A&M didn't have any signature wins. They didn't beat uh, yeah. the top 20 team as well, too. So I think that went against them as well, too. Yeah, So, so but, but yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is you have a lot of that kind of stuff in college football, and it is voted on. And, yes, do upsets happen? Absolutely. That's why they have the points red line. That's why we do our best bets and you have to go against the number. And you do have crazy things that happen out there. But for the most part, the line does do a lot of good things. But as far as what Joey Gallo said, it's easy to bang the drum for somebody when you're never going to be called to the carpet on it because there's never going to be proof of it one way or another. He can have his opinion and he can say it. And even if Cincinnati goes out now and they lose in the bowl game, what are they going to say? Well, you know, they didn't make that Final Four, you know, so, so they weren't motivated. Right, right. Because that's what we always hear about a team that doesn't make it to that, the final round, the, the championship series, and then they, get, they lose in a bowl game to a team that nobody expects, and they go, well, because they didn't make that other one, the kids weren't motivated for it. There's always a bailout for their arguments. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to do that, to toot the horn of anybody else out there. If A&M wins and blows somebody out, they're going to say, see? They should have been a Final Four team, and if they lose, well, they weren't motivated because they weren't there. And we talk about the you know the conference championship means a lot to the committee, the strength of schedule, and in the conference affiliation, it means a lot. Okay, with Cincinnati or any of those teams that have you know come out of there in, in the past, and we've seen that like with with Central Florida and this and that, ne- never getting respect because of their conferences. You have that conference affiliation; it means a lot. You win a conference championship; it means a lot to the committee. Strength of schedule: how many top twenty-five wins do you have? It means a lot. But for me, you need to look at how those teams that you're considering how are they winning those games? How do they look? Are they blowing people out? Are they dominant? And again, under you know uh, adverse conditions, how are you playing with Clemson against Notre Dame? Clemson went to Notre Dame what in triple overtime without Trevor Lawrence, without their best defensive player, and they nearly won that game on the road. It's how do you look in these games, not just in wins but in losses? And I just don't think enough of that is being is being looked at. And I'm going to go back to Ohio State again, a comment that I made last hour was that this is the weakest schedule that Ohio State has played. Now, be it 
The Big Ten is down this year, but again, no one knew that going into it. We thought Minnesota was going to be really good. There was hope the way Michigan started off the season, the way they blasted Minnesota by winning by 30, like, oh, this Michigan team is going to be pretty good. Wisconsin, they're there year in and year out. They're going to be really good, and as it turned out, none of those teams were very good. There was hope that Scott Frost was finally going to be able, this was going to be the year he has all of his players, is recruiting at Nebraska. Well, as it turned out, none of those teams were very good for whatever reasons. But here's what Ohio State gave up defensively, and you said their defense is not as good. And to that point, okay, they gave up 17 to Nebraska. They gave up 25 to Penn State, which wasn't very good at all. They gave up 27 to Rutgers. They gave up 35 to Indiana. And then, of course, they blasted Michigan State, who was horrible this year, uh, winning that game 52-12. to But against Northwestern, that final score was 22-10. to And how do you only score 22 points and settle for these field goals when you rush the ball for 399 yards, basically set a record for rushing the football, and you have your own running back that runs for nearly 340 yards? Well, yeah, and and, and again, uh, the running back came out. I mean, he's a kid that definitely saved the game for him, but Fields wasn't accurate. He, he didn't look comfortable. You saw him uh, with his – the hand was a big problem for him in that game. Uh, he ran the ball a couple times here and there. But, yeah, the, the, their offense was not clicking except for the running game. So they did that, and, and that's why they had to settle for the field goals because then they made it even tougher to get in once they got down in the red zone and they couldn't run the ball and because they couldn't pass the ball. It also didn't help them that they had turnovers, and that's one thing Ohio State's done a few times this year too. They have turned the ball over. And you mentioned like that Indiana game. They had a nice lead in that game. Then the offense completely went to sleep. It's not a light switch. You can't turn it on and off. And the defense completely collapsed and let Indiana get into a big rhythm there. Indiana was actually probably the surprise team of the conference. Then, unfortunately, their young quarterback got injured. They were a, they're, they're, they're probably the second-best team in the Big Ten this year. But, again, like you mentioned, it's a Big Ten that's definitely down. It's not a very good uh, conference this year. And the other thing, too, and this isn't Ohio State's fault – it is hard to get in a rhythm when every single game you have a ton of players that are not playing because of COVID or whatever other reason, and then even when you are ready to play a game, the other team doesn't play. It's hard to get a consistency and a rhythm out there. That's why when I said I'd like to see them at their best, I don't think we've seen Ohio State anywhere near their best this year. I'm also not sure that the coaches did a great job in that game, in the Northwestern game. For the, just the fact that they were losing 10-3 to 3 at the half. Right. How does that offense of Ohio State have three points in the half? I know Northwestern has a good defense. Maybe it's the best defense in the Big Ten. Statistically, I guess, it, I, I think it is. But it's not good enough that How? if Ohio State can't score more than three points right. against them, what are they going to do against those other teams? And see, and I'll take the other side of that. I know Northwestern... It has a good defense, but their defense isn't that good if you're giving up 400 yards on the ground. I can't think of anybody in the country that gave up 400 yards on the ground this year. I mean, unless I'm pointing to North Texas or somebody like that, but let alone a team that we're talking about in the Big Ten championship game is giving up 400 yards. And to your point, you only get 22 total. You get three at the half, and you're giving up 400, 339 to one guy. How good is that defense? Wisconsin has the best defense, and they have. And again, they were nip and tuck with Northwestern. It was a battle of defense, a battle of field position. But because Wisconsin has a horrendous quarterback, that's why uh, you know they and didn't again, win that they, game. And they, and they had a good quarterback at the start. Merch, the freshman, looked good, but then yeah. he he couldn't play. Yeah. 
Well, well then he, but but then he did play. He played, yeah. played, you know, he just he, he sat out for a little bit. Well, the whole team sat out for four weeks. They lost that momentum, but he was their their quarterback all the way to the end and and l- looked horrible. But again, it was just a weird Big Ten season. And I understand, you know, you you lose continuity. You don't play for three four weeks at a time. But that's the way it was for just about everybody in this conference. Pretty much, it was that way for. Most of the teams, except maybe a majority of the teams of the SEC, who just kept playing and playing and playing, and of course, unless you're Vanderbilt or something like that, who, yeah, well, we're not going to play this week. Well, and, and and the Big Ten did it to themselves with the 21 day quarantine. <laughs> there, there it is. There it That's is. what made it. It's hard to. It, other conferences are having seven or ten day quarantines. Twenty. If you get COVID, you're missing three games. 21 days, that's three weeks. That's three games you're missing. How can you possibly get continuity that, out ha- on the that, field? That's half of the Big Ten season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ohio State had five games coming into the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. That's more than yeah. half their season. Yeah. And they had 24 players out in that game Saturday, 25 the week before. So one of the players from the week before was eligible to play in this one. It, it, it's crazy. And I understand safety and trying to do things right. But you also don't have to go so far above and beyond that you're basically screwing yourself. Yep. And that's what they did. And, and now, again, now their big amendment to it, they're going to drop it to 17. I mean, why? Well, you know Make why. Make it 10. Yeah. Or just keep it 21. I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't mix. Because they want to play the game. It makes them look, going dropping from 21 to 17 shows a little compassion, but it gets those players back in. If you drop it like that, they go, well, why do you even have the 21 day it, it, to begin? And you still, if you are one of those other teams in the Big Ten, say you're Indiana, Maryland, whoever, that just got hit hard by, by COVID numbers, you're saying right now, oh, now you drop it. Why didn't you drop it three weeks ago? And especially twenty-one to seventeen, it seems phony. So I don't think yeah, four, you, four days is crazy. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That, 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 somebody obviously had a calculator up there, going, "All right, what? How many players can we get? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, we can get this many back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that doesn't make. It, drop it to fourteen. Then, then it's two weeks. Drop it to ten, like other conferences have. Seventeen, you're just knocking four mm-hmm. four, four days off. That's kind of crazy. Real quick, too, you mentioned Nebraska earlier. Remember, Nebraska's the one that kind of started this whole ball rolling when they were the ones that were suing the Big Ten. Yes. Because they did think they were going to have a decent team this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they thought they were going to win it, but they thought, hey, we don't want to not play football this year. We got a pretty good club here. Then they got on the field and reality struck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gee, a lot of disappointments in that conference. Penn State. Michigan, Michigan State. Well, Michigan just, finally just said, we're not playing any more yeah, games. Yeah, we're, we're we're, done. Oh, we're not going to play the game before Ohio State. We're going to announce that week that uh, we're not very optimistic about playing them. And now it's just, yeah, yeah, forget it. We're just, we're, we're just done. Yeah. And we talk about Oklahoma, it ended up in number six. If they don't lose, lose that one game to K-State, they are legitimately in this conversation and maybe have a shot of getting in because, again, they avenged the other loss to Iowa State with a pretty sound victory, even though the final score may not uh, show that. But they pretty, they led from the outset. They went wire to wire in that game against Iowa State. And like I said before, I mean, after those two games, they started off 0-2. They, just, they ran the table, and you don't want to play Oklahoma right now. So I was glad to see them at number six. But it just goes to show you how every one of these games counts so much. And they had that one slip-up where they nearly lost against K-State. That would have made it very interesting as well, too. But the, the team that continues – go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to go to a different conference. Oh, but go ahead. okay. I was going to go to the Alabama-Florida game where, you know, Alabama basically 
was in the process of writing their own score, but Florida, because of that tremendous offense, they made it close and ended up covering 52-46 the final. But at the end, Alabama still had 605 yards. 605 in this game. In a game where they kind of called off the dogs. They did. And I loved what Saban (laughs) had to say. He says he was calm, cool, collected in the interview afterwards. Says, you know what? It was good to be in a game like this. We need to get tested. And I agree with him. They haven't been tested at all at any point in time during the season. So maybe they felt a little pressure, and this is going to prepare them well for the playoffs. Yeah, possibly. And, and, and it also, it, if nothing else, it gives him something to talk about in the locker room. To tell the team, hey, you guys are so high on yourself. You see, Florida almost came from behind and got you guys. Yeah. You got to keep on playing. You know, keep the pedal to the metal, you know, whatever whatever cliches he wants to use. But, no, I was also going to bring up, remember all the almost laughter we had on Friday about the Ducks playing the Trojans? Yes. And then, I mean, now we said USC probably isn't that good, and we knew the Pac-10 wasn't, or 12, or right. whatever the hell it is these days. It's still 12. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Big Ten's 10 with 12 teams. About, right. but, but how they have 3-2 and two going in. They shouldn't even have been in the game. But USC, they just barely got by UCLA. I mean, it took some miracle stuff at Arizona the end to get that State. Win. Yeah. And the, I there's mean, they, plenty of yeah. games like that. And they're again, life and death. they also only had like five wins going into that. Right. Nobody was talking about that. Oh, why? Because they're not one of the teams playing to try to get into that bowl championship series. Hmm. But wow, what frauds they were. Oh, totally. Totally. And again, you look at Oregon, got beat by Cal, got beat by Oregon State. Washington can't play in the game because they don't have enough scholarship players due to COVID. They get thrust in the game. Oregon goes in there, takes care of business. And now USC says that they're going to bow up and they're going to play in a bowl game. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what, yeah why would you? Embarrassment, it, you, right? You just embarrassed. After, after that lame performance, mm-hmm. could it, you imagine if they would have won that game and been the champion and gone and got whacked by another conference in a game? I would love to see probably, that. Yeah. Would they have still bowed out if they were 6-0 and and the conference champs no. of a bowl game? But see, this goes back to what I was saying way back when about the Pac-12 was the last one to come to the party. They had no desire to come and play football this year. They checked they out before it started. Absolutely they did. They said, oh, we're done. Oh, we'll do the spring thing. And then remember all these players, specifically Oregon, they, all their top players opted out. Forget it. I want to go to the NFL. Not going to play in the spring. Forget yeah. it. Just give me my Nike yep. gear and let me get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it was like, then here comes the Big Ten. Well, we're going to play. Oh, well, let's see. Well, Big Ten's going to play. That's our that's our Wait, Rose Bowl that, right there. Now, now we, even the Mountain West is playing? Yeah. Oh, damn. We, I guess we're going to have to play retreat, retract, let's go, let's play. Their heart was never into this, and it, it, was, it, was, it was a mess. And, and then they tried to get creative going, oh, these two teams can't play. We'll have the two teams that we're going to yeah. play on a Sunday. That, I mean, Sunday they, morning. They did get creative yeah. doing some stuff, but it, but it was no. all just totally piecemealed together. And, it was you a know, joke. Yeah, duct tape and super glue. Yeah, <laughs> total <laughs> joke, total joke. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that's behind us now, but I am looking forward to the college football playoff. I'm looking – Forward to to these bowl games that actually start uh, today, and it'll be good. But then again, how many of these bowl games will actually get played? Because again, last week we didn't even know the number of bowl games. Again, and when the number is now twenty eight, again, just a shame that the Las Vegas Bowl couldn't be played when a lot of these other games are are being played. And I'm not saying that the Las Vegas Bowl, our good friend Johnson Sandy and people are, are just looking back saying, well, maybe we pulled the trigger a little bit too early here. But again, we're having other teams that are coming here and playing 
in Las Vegas, San Jose State, the Mountain West Conference, uh, Mountain West Championship game here at Sam Boyd We've Stadium. We've had more football games here this year than I think any other year because a- absolutely. of New Mexico playing exactly. all the games here and other things. Yeah, they've been all over the place. Do you know we had basketball here? On Saturday, yeah. the weekend here, USF was here, Colorado, Washington, these guys were here, just went by the wayside. We've had women basketball it. games being yes. played out here as well. Yes. Yeah. So no, the, the only teams not playing out here are UNLV. I know. <laughs> but again, more the reason why we talked about it when we had Johnson said the other last uh, week and a half ago, it was just like, man, we understand, but this was supposed to be the big, you know, at Allegiant Stadium. You know, you have Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, you got that rotation going. Man, it's just it's too bad. And when you're looking at some of these other bowls, a lot lesser bowls, we really couldn't have got this done here. I think we could have. Although four more did get canceled yesterday when they were doing the selection. And now, like we heard in the first hour, you know, uh, another bowl canceled, the, the Liberty Bowl, so maybe Army will jump into that spot. By the way, wouldn't it be appropriate that Army would play in the Liberty Bowl? So... Yeah, Army's nine and two, and they did not get selected. So I don't know how they can get selected now. I mean, like I said, unless a team drops out here at the last. Well, minute, there's a team but, that dropped out of the Liberty Bowl, so, so there's an opening. There's a slot there available. As of right now, yes, that, that makes total sense then, and especially, you know, hearing Coach Monk talking about how his players were in tears after beating Navy, beating Air Force, celebrating win the Commander-in-Chief uh, trophy on Saturday. You're 9-2, and two and you don't get a chance to go to a bowl game. Yeah, I think and not I, just a bowl game. They should go to a decent bowl game. Well, it's a December 31st bowl game, the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, I know. West Virginia in Tennessee, I believe, is, is the one that dropped out because of COVID issues. So why wouldn't you? Call uh, Army. Call West Army. West Virginia Army. It's the Liberty Bowl. Army fighting for liberty. Come on. Oh, it's a no-brainer. Do we, do we got to make their schedule for these guys? Come on. That's that's perfect, man. Jeez. That is perfect. Come on. Some of this stuff writes itself. Do the right thing. But they don't know how to read. <laughs> Matthew Hold is going to join us when we come back and we'll start talking about what happened to the book over the weekend and also preview tonight's NFL Monday Night Football and take a look at some of these other bowl games, college football playoff as well. A lot to cover. It is T.C. Martin Show on a Monday afternoon quarterback edition. What's up, y'all? This is Sinbad. You checking my boy, T.C. Martin, talking about what's happening. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. Real easy to do if you don't have it already. When you deposit at least $50 into a brand new account, they will match it with an additional $50. Just got to use that promo code, TC50. That's right. So get it on your phone first. Go deposit at any of the great William Hill sportsbooks anywhere around town, specifically the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Go over there, deposit at least 50. They'll match it. Use that promo code TC50. It is the William Hill mobile app. Matthew Holt joins us. U.S. Integrity, our guy, my guy. What's up, man? TC, how we doing today? We're doing good, man. We're feeling pretty good. Uh, we had a very, very exciting weekend, as you well know, with the college football the NFL, bowl games underway. we got a little Monday Night Football to diagnose tonight, my friend. So uh, a lot on the table to discuss with you. And I guess let's first start with the, the NFL underdogs. The dogs uh, cashed in at 8, 6, and 1 clip uh, this weekend. But nothing bigger than those lowly New York Jets. Uh, people that uh, bet the Rams got golfed again. Yeah, 
and you know it wasn't a bad week for the betters actually this week. You know the parlay betters didn't do that well, but the teaser betters did really well, and the books had a tough day on Saturday, especially with both favorites getting home uh, Saturday. And a lot of these favorites ended up not covering spreads, but covering the, uh, all of the teasers. So it was a tough teaser day culminating with the Cleveland Browns last night, who a lot of people teased down to a pick. So uh, it was a pretty good week for the betters overall. The popular choices, like even the the coin flip games, the Miami was really popular. They got home. Uh, the Bears became a popular pick. That one even went below three at some places after opening six and a half. Again, the popular dog getting home there at the Chicago Bears. So kind of the revenge of the betters yesterday. So we talk about that Rams-Jets game. And obviously when you have a line like that at 17, it just scares most of the public off. And, That's right. I, I, you know, it just, you know, pe- people aren't going to wager on that type of stuff. But I, I did see somebody did uh, put a couple hundred bucks on the Jets on the money line and, and cashed out 2200 So it was plus 1100 on the money line for that. But I know that a lot of people, if, you know, if they're watching that game, Matt, they jumped all over the Rams in, in the second half. You know, action as well, too. We're going to lay 10.5 with the Rams, and uh, the Rams didn't cover that number either. No, and I did see that there was significant Rams in play action, like late in the second quarter, early in the third quarter, to your point, especially since this Jets team has had a couple of games this year where they were competitive into the fourth quarter and then sort of melted down. I've never seen a team win a game and have their fan base so outraged as the New York Jets yesterday, who won their first and only game of the season but lost the number one pick in the process. And that fan base, they look, they were behind the idea of let's tank for Trevor, but only the New York Jets could find a way to not only have one of the worst seasons in the history of the NFL, but lose the number one pick as well. <laughs> I know. And again, uh, you know, the fans are feeling that way, but obviously the coaching staff and the players aren't feeling that way. We know how bad Frank Gore wanted to win is more than likely his last NFL season. He was he was good yesterday, but you know, really the story in this game, Matt, is the Rams. You know, fighting for a playoff spot. You know, battling that division with the Seahawks and the Cardinals. This Rams team has just fell flat on their face so many times. You could blame Jared Goff. Uh, I think you got to start looking at the defense as well now because people think, well, the defense carries this team. This defense is invincible. They look nothing but inven- like invincible yesterday against a Jets team. And how do you handicap this Rams team moving forward? tricky team to figure out and I know their defense didn't have the best day yesterday but this is still if not the best defense in the NFL a top three defense in the NFL but for whatever reason you're right this team has had lapses uh, unfathomable lapses to that point that are that are hard to comprehend throughout the entirety of the year uh, and this one's tricky. So, I mean, this one was this was a tough one to deal with. I remember that game where they got whipped in Miami, too, and you were like, whoa, what's going on? They got swept by the Niners, who had all kinds of injury issues in both games this year. Yet this is a team that went out and, you know, beat up the Seahawks, beat the Patriots 24-3, to coming off going to Arizona, winning there by 10. I mean, Jekyll and Hyde, this team, and unfortunately there went the division probably for the Rams, and now you're talking about probably getting into the playoffs as a wild card and having a really difficult path. 
Hey, man, I, I know you mentioned with uh, Jacksonville now having the inside track to get that number one pick. Whether it's credence to it or not, there was rumor that Trevor Lawrence was talking about staying if he thought that the Jets were going to take him. Is going to Jacksonville that much more enticing? Well, he's a Southern guy, right? He's from Georgia, plays at Clemson. I feel like Florida is kind of his region of the United States anyway. And no matter what, let's face it, if you're a historically good quarterback, and he's he's been the number one player in college football for three years now. I mean, literally, if he would have come out after his freshman year, he would have been the number one pick. But it's almost always the case as the clear number one pick in the draft that you're going to a bad team. So at least if you're going to go to a bad team, let's go to a bad team that's close to home. For him, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. said the same thing about Blake Bortles, too. Yeah, oh, he's a Florida guy. Come come play in Jacksonville. It'll, it'll work out really good. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> but Blake Bortles wasn't Trevor Lawrence. I know. I know you're going to say that. I know. All right, Matthew Holtz joined us from uh, U.S. Integrity. Matt, let's talk a little bit uh, about the Chiefs uh, game yesterday against the Saints. We saw the Chiefs as a three-point favorite again not cover this has been six weeks in a row where this team has not covered, and when you look at the victory margins of this team, n- not really getting the job done at all. And I'll go back. So they went by three yesterday against the Saints, six against the Dolphins, six against Denver, three against Tampa Bay, four against the Raiders, and a two-point victory against Carolina. No covers at all, but this team continues to win. They're calm, cool, collective. They get a lot of love as being the best team in the NFL. But better's not loving the Chiefs so much. And you've got to be a little bit careful with the Chiefs. And this wasn't the case yesterday, but this is a team that's been known to sort of cruise in the second half a little bit. They had a big lead against Miami, let Miami come roaring back. You know, they were always in control against Denver the second game out, the first one too, where they blew them out. You know, this is a team lately that's kind of had it in cruise control. Even yesterday, they had to give up 14 points to the Saints in the fourth quarter to even make that game close. But they were whipping the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay came back and cut it to a field goal. So this is a team all year, especially late in the year, as they've sort of started to clinch this number one seed that has been known to put it into cruise control a little bit in the fourth quarter. So I would be very careful or at least cognizant of betting the Chiefs the last couple of weeks because you're certainly going to pay a tax, and they haven't shown any want, desire, or, or need to go out there and get margin in these games. They're very happy building big leads, putting this thing into cruise control late and trying not to get guys hurt, although it didn't work out yesterday with Clive Edwards-Hilaire getting hurt late in that game, although I heard the x-rays were negative, and he's supposed to be fine for the playoffs. I know they say there's no such thing as moral victories in professional sports, but if you're a Saints fan, I'm not sure that you feel that bad about that game. Their defense has come a long way from that game way back early in the season against the Raiders. Their defense looked looked really dominant against the most dominant offense in the NFL. And then uh, Drew Brees, you have to figure he's going to get a little bit better. I know they lost the game, but uh, if I'm a Saints fan, I'm thinking that uh, they're headed in the right direction possibly. Maybe. 
DB, the only problem if you're a Saints fan is now the number three seed. I mean, let's face it, three weeks ago, wasn't everyone pointing to New Orleans as the number one seed in in the NFC? In fact, everyone was hyping this game as number one versus number one. But the Green Bay Packers have an inside track to the number one seed now. They not only have the best record, but own the tiebreaker against the Saints as well. And the Saints down there tied with the Seattle Seahawks. There's plenty of scenarios where New Orleans goes from the clear number one to a number three. Playing in December or in January, I should say, that's when these playoff games are going to be played. Having that game against Seattle or against Green Bay at home in the Dome is a big difference than having to go up to Lambeau for this Saints team. So, well, I guess they're, you know, you could say, hey, they rallied back. They got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I think when you think about the ramifications, which is now you have to go to Lambeau rather than playing in New Orleans in the Dome, that could actually be a pretty big repercussion out of this. It's hard to call that a moral victory. Yeah, especially when they had, you know, like you said, home field advantage on their mind. Again, they basically let the number one seed slip, and a lot of that probably had to do with Breeze being injured. So Breeze comes back yesterday. Some people thought maybe a little bit prematurely. He started off 0 for 5, had an interception before he even had a completion. He actually didn't complete his first pass until the second quarter. Uh, when you when you look at the Saints team, the defense, like Frank said, it, it's kind of become their calling card. But I think we still need to see more of Alvin Kamara, and we'll see where Drew Brees goes from here because you're right. Right now, they're not going to have home field advantage. They're going to have to go up in weather conditions, whether it's Lambeau or Seattle, and try to win. But because of that defense, I've, I'm not going to sell the Saints short at all. No, no, I'm not selling them short in that defense, really. I mean, this is a team that was always known for its offense in the in the Saints, but wow, that defense has been really good this, the last six weeks. But now you have a team that's lost two straight games, and it's not just about playoff seeding, but momentum going into the playoffs. I would look for a big bounce-back effort from New Orleans this week. As Sean Payton understands, you don't want to go into the playoffs on a you know one-and-three run or, or – you know, in your last four or anything. So I expect, especially against the Vikings team, that we call it Cinderella left, left the ball theory, where that was it. That, that was, the, the, you know, that was the, the dream crusher for the Vikings. They are losing at home to the Bears. The, the Vikings have literally zero chance to make the playoffs now. So I'm not sure what kind of effort you're going to get from Minnesota one game removed from being eliminated from the playoffs and, and New Orleans really needing this one. And with the quick turnaround and early rest with these teams playing on Friday night this week, the rare Christmas Day Friday NFL game, I think we might see a big effort from the New Orleans Saints. All right, Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Talk a little NFL. Matt, before we leave the NFL, let's talk about the Dolphins. They got the job done yesterday against the Patriots, eliminating them. Buffalo very happy, now winning the AFC East for the first time in forever. And uh, now the Dolphins got to come here to Vegas for a Saturday game against the Raiders, a very small favorite of the Dolphins. How legit do you think this team is, and uh, do we expect the Raiders to give any effort whatsoever? 
what a job Coach Flores is down, has done down there in Miami. Remember last year, Miami, it was tank for Tua in Miami. They ended up getting Tua. They didn't need to tank for him. But this is a team in the second half of last year, after starting just as bad as you could start the first six weeks, really started to show signs of improvement. They, they took all of those draft picks, invested in young talent. And I heard some really sharp NFL people say, watch out for this Dolphins team this year. They're probably too young to make a, you'll make a lot of noise this season. But this defense is really exciting. This team period's young. They're fired up. They have athletes everywhere from all these first and second round draft picks. Look, it's a big game for Miami. They have to win. They're tied at 9-5 and five in the 7-8 and eight seed with Baltimore. Uh, you know, so Miami needs to keep winning football games. I expect them to have a big effort. And is it deja vu all over again for Raiders fans or what? We saw the second half collapse to finish last season, and it feels like 2019 all over again as if you're a Raiders fan. Probably shouldn't have beat the Jets and probably should be 0-3 in their last three, blow that game again on Thursday night football against the Chargers. I'm not sure this team has any motivation left in the Raiders. All right. All right, speaking of uh, no motivation, we've got a Monday night football game that features that. We've got the Bengals hosting the Steelers, the number now up to 14. Uh, money, all Steelers, despite a team that really has looked really bad, especially offensively the last two weeks. where the Cincinnati Bengals coming into this week with the players and personnel that was available this week, most pros would tell you that their power ratings had the Cincinnati Bengals rated the worst team in football. Worse than Jacksonville, worse than the Jets coming into this week. Now that they're down to third-string quarterback Ryan Finley, they're starting running backs out. This team's decimated with injuries. They don't seem to be able to do anything offensively, and the defense is sort of mailed it in at this point. This is a really tough situation. You have a Pittsburgh team coming off back-to-back losses. Big Ben playing a terrible game and being embarrassed. Pittsburgh's going to be motivated to go out, get the job done, keep that number two seed secure because Baltimore, I mean, Buffalo's breathing down their neck for that two seed. I just don't see any way that this game's going to be close tonight. With the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight, is there a more important thing that they're looking at? Obviously, they want to win the game, and they should win the game. But their receivers have been dropping. Their receivers have been dropping the ball, and their running game hasn't been going at all. Do they? Is this a chance for them to get the running game trying to move it in the right direction to get ready for the upcoming playoffs? Yeah, I think it. You know, it's a little bit of an opportunity to get the running game going. But James Connors out again tonight. Trey Edmonds is out, so they're missing running backs tonight. So I don't know how much they're going to pound the rock because they're already missing running backs this game. To your point, plenty of things to work on in this Pittsburgh Steeler team. And this, let's face it, this isn't going to be the same Pittsburgh Steeler team going into the playoffs as the team that started 11-0 because they're with two. They're without two stars of this team in the linebacker core without Bud Dupree and Devin Bush. And when you have two outstanding all-pro linebackers and they both go down, you're never going to be the same team. And I think no team has been affected more due to COVID this year than the Pittsburgh Steelers just due to the fact that their opponents have caused so many scheduling issues for them. They ended up having to take their bye in week four. I'll be honest, Big Ben looks tired. At his age, he could have used that late week 10 bye. 
bye. Now he ends up with a week four bye, playing all these consecutive weeks. He looks tired. Pittsburgh looks tired, and they're banged up. Thank goodness for them they get the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. Despite saying all that, Matt, you still is calling for a blowout? I mean, holes in the defense, tired Ben, uh, worst rushing attack over the last few weeks? I just don't see how Cincinnati scores in this game. If you go back two weeks ago to their game against uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they got a 100-yard kick return for a touchdown for their only seven points. I'm not sure Cincinnati can score in this game. That's kind of the scary part. Then, even if Pittsburgh doesn't look that good, but through the course of the game gets two touchdowns and two field goals just to get to 20, usually a score that's not indicative of winning in the NFL, that might even cover this number. Okay, we'll see it. All right. A lot, of, a lot of people would be happy uh, with that, especially those of us that put that on our best bets. Uh, Steelers laying two touchdowns tonight. All right, let's talk a little bit about the college football playoff. It was you know, unveiled last night, and uh, numbers were put up immediately. Alabama, Notre Dame, the one and the four seeds uh, are going to meet in the Rose Bowl, which will be in Jerry's World in Texas, as crazy as that sounds. But the number, Matt, what am I seeing? 17 and a halfs here? And then in the other game, we've got Clemson, a a 7.5-point favorite over Ohio State playing in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. There's not a book in the world, TC, where you can lay 17.5. This thing opened up 20. It's (laughs) 19.5 to 20 at every single regulated book in the country. Alabama, a three-touchdown favorite, the largest favorite in CFP history. I know the college football playoff, God forbid we put Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati or give any of these teams a shot. No, no, we have to keep these matchups competitive. That's why we're putting three touchdown underdog Notre Dame in here to get whipped by Alabama yet again. So what would the line of what would what do you think the line would have been if one of those other teams would have made it? I think that the line would have been different, but I think the buzz would have been, I mean, I think the line would have been the same, and that's for Cincinnati. I think it would have been even worse for Coastal Carolina. But at the end of the day, at least the narrative would have been different. If there's ever a year where you want to give one of these teams a shot, why not put them in there with one of the most dominant Alabama teams there's ever been and say, hey, look, we gave them a shot, and look what happened. Instead, you continue to disinclude all, you know, 60 teams in college football. Why do they even play their games? And you plug the team in there as a 21-point underdog who just got blasted on Saturday. It, and the last time these two teams matched up, it was a blowout. It, it expects to be a blowout again. So if you're expecting a blowout anyway, why not change the narrative in your favor? NCA, the committee had a chance. The CFP committee had a chance to do that here. Instead, they remain the bad guys, and we get another blowout. But doesn't matter. I mean, who you put in that number four slot. I mean, look what Alabama's done to everybody. Look at the high numbers that they have been laying. And again, that Florida game was seventeen and a half. Now they didn't end up covering, but a lot of people thought they would, especially Florida coming off that embarrassing loss at home against LSU. I mean, is there a number? you know, that uh, is is not high enough for Alabama. Uh, no, I don't think so. But I'm just saying in a year where this game is probably going to be a blowout no matter who you plug in, why not go ahead and change the narrative? Be the good guys and say, look, we're not, we're not telling you that your seasons don't matter every year. Here you go, Cincy. Here's a crack. Because they're going to get blown out probably as well. 
But at least the narrative around the game was that you gave David a chance in the arena versus Goliath instead of keeping him outside the arena when we're getting a blowout anyway. People are okay with you leaving Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina on the sideline if you're trying to say that you're making a more competitive matchup. But when you plug a three-touchdown underdog in there uh, for a team that just got whacked Saturday, the narrative doesn't go too well. Yeah, but the thing is, Matt, there's no way that you can say that Cincinnati or even A&M are belong in the top four. I mean, they're they're not as good as those other teams. So, and we can't put David in unless we go to eight. Once we go to eight, then we can do that. And, and people that compare this to the NCAA tournament, it's it's not even fair to say that because you're dealing with sixty four. You're, you're dealing with that situation. But if you're only going to allow the top four teams in, there's no way in the world Cincinnati, A and M, Coastal Carolina even deserve to be in a conversation because they're not a top four team. But the problem is Alabama's never been competitive in the CFP, so. Right, right. So we're going to do this again? (laughs) I think we have to. Hey, hey, let's be honest about it. The big winner in this whole thing is the ACC. If there was ever a year to let Notre Dame in the ACC, this is it. They have two teams in the the college football playoff, and that $6 million bonus, now they get it twice. Is it? $6 million per conference. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did. You're right. I mean, a lot of money for the ACC here. We just continue to have the same competitive disadvantage that we've always had and, and continue to expand it as much as we can. I mean, we know this thing's about money. I'm not sure that Cincinnati would have been a, mat- would have been a better matchup. I'm not saying that at all, nor do I necessarily think they deserve it more. I just think at the end of the day the narrative around the committee might be better. Right now people are really fatigued to this matchup. You wait. Everyone's going to say, oh, we're going to see record-breaking handles. And we probably will just because of the amount of new states that have started taking bets this year. But I I think this game may pale in comparison on TV ratings and betting. When you have a 21-point spread, bettors don't rush to the window. We saw it with Rams just week. Bettors don't rush to the window to bet it. Viewers don't rush to the TV to tune in. And this is a CFP. This should be your two highest-rated games of the year. I'm not sure Notre Dame, Alabama is going to do that big of numbers. No, and I agree with you. I think from a TV standpoint, Notre Dame is such a national you know, brand that probably will. But from a betting perspective, you're right. What is the difference? Is there a difference between the NFL that people are not interested in betting a Rams-Jets game, or is it just the same in college, or is it different? No, it's the same in college, and and you might be able to expand it a little bit because people aren't used to seeing more than 14-point favorites in the NFL, but you see it every week in college. But again, this is the CFP playoff. These are supposed to be the four best teams. We're supposed to get balanced, competitive matchups. When the spread's 21, it almost feels like a foregone conclusion. And the problem is, again, if you would have put a Cincinnati here in, here's what you get. Ooh, I haven't seen that before. Let me tune in to see if they can compete. Because I don't know. Because I haven't seen that before. But history tells me that when the big guys, the non-Power Five, get a chance in these games, they win about 60% of them. Now, we write them all off. Oh, UCF, you only beat Auburn because they were unmotivated. Of course, when they lost the next year to Georgia, we didn't call Georgia unmotivated. But we always give these teams, you know, this game, and when they win it, Oklahoma losing to Boise, oh, Oklahoma was unmotivated. They always have an excuse for it. 
But I think it would have been interesting to see if people would have tuned in at least for a half to see, wow, can Cincinnati hang? We've seen this Notre Dame-Alabama story before, and it doesn't end well for the Irish. All right, my man. Great stuff. He's a great follow on Twitter, Matthew Holt. Uh, brother, be good. We look forward to talking with you again next week. And uh, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, Merry Christmas, you and the family. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Have a good night. Take care. There he is, Matthew Holt. Doesn't it make sense, though, that after this nightmare of a year, that 2020, that on the first day of 2021, we have a 21-point spread? Yeah, there you go. Very nice. Oh. All right. Ballpark, we're back out again tomorrow. The coach is going to join us, Houston Nutt. We'll talk more college football playoff. That'll always be fun. Plus, it's a terrible Tuesday edition as well. All right. Have yourself a good one. Spence, appreciate you being here, my man. Pushing all the right buttons all the time. Good job. Everyone else, have yourself a good one. And we're back at it again tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, the interviews, it's all on the website. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com.